Of course, the highlight of the parsha is the parsha of the Akedah, which is the conclusion of the parsha. And we've spoken about in years past the lessons that we could glean from this wondrous parsha, which stands as a schus for us eternally, which stands as a semel as a model of Messiris Nefesh, which carries over to us on a daily basis. But this year I want to share with you a different understanding and a different lesson that we could learn from the Akedah. The truth is that I saw this Yisaid in Rabbi Rucham Sefer Das Taira, but it wasn't, this is not like his, his main thrust of what he was writing. He was writing a whole mimer about the Akedah. And he writes in a mimer hamuskar, in a parentheses, a few lines that were so, such a, uh, a game changer for me. And it's just those few lines that I want to share with you this morning. There's a medrash on the parsha in Bereshis Rabbah Nun Vav Hey. I think it's pretty well known that on the way to the Akedah, Bolay Samuel, Samuel who was like a bad malach, a satan, came to Avram Avinu. Bolay Samuel it's Avinu Avram. Omer Loi Saba Saba. He says to Avram Avino, Saba, Saba, you old man, have you lost your mind? Is this normal what you're about to do? You're taking your son to the Akedah. A child who was given to you after 100 years, and you're going and taking him to Shecht, Amr Avram responds, Almanaskain, yes, knowing fully what you're saying, I understand that it's, you know, not such a passionate thing, but I'm going to do it. This is what I'm charged to do, and this is what I will do. And Samal continues, Amr you know what's going to happen, of course. Tomorrow, after you finish this big mitzvah of your shechting your son, then the Rabbi Shalom is going to come down to you and say that you're Chayev Misa for murder. Today, it looks like it's an act of Messiris Nefesh and an act of, of an Akedah, and tomorrow it's going to be a murder case. And you'll be Chayev Misa for that. Do you understand what you're doing? And once again, Avram Avinu says, I know what I'm doing, and I'm doing it. I understand fully well. I am fully comprehending the consequences of my actions. I understand that it doesn't seem like a normal thing to do. But this is what I was told to do, and this is what I'm going to do. 
And the Medrash continues, but Rabbi Rucham speaks about this Medrash Bechlal, and it's good to look at that piece in Rabbi Rucham. But I just want to quote to you the parenthetical sentence that he writes, which is completely something that I think will make us see life differently. He says like this, Anachnu Saibrim, we like to think that Avram Avino had no Yetzahara and when he was told to do the Akedah he was probably the Simcha Rabbah jumping to do it Maybe we were taught in yeshivas growing up that Avraham Avinu was overjoyed by the notion of being able to go and shech his son and that he did it with Simcha and he was like losing his mind in, in, in excitement and anticipation for bringing his son to the Akedah. Maybe there are even Medrashim that imply that and Rashi certainly, if you look at Rashi on the parasha, it does seem that he was very eager to do this mitzvah and he did it with Simcha. Berbirucham says, Loikenu. That's not the truth. Kigam Avram Because even to Avram Avino, Samael came. Taharbe Hayatsarach Lochaimitai Adlinatschai. Avram Avino had to struggle and had to wrestle with his demons. Avram Avinu did not have it so simple that, okay, Hashem said this and now it's being done and I'm happy to do it, let's go. Avram Avinu had a Samael. He had a Satan which came, a Yetzirah which came and said, don't do that. Don't do the mitzvah. It's better not to. It doesn't make sense. Let's sit on it a little bit. Let's wait. Who knows what might come about tomorrow. Avram Avinu had a real Yetzirah. And Avram Avinu had a real ma'avak. He had a real struggle with that Yetzirah. And he had to listen to the Yetzirah. And he had to debate the Yetzirah. And he had to ultimately vanquish that Yetzirah. But Rabbi Rucham takes from the mice of the Akedah is, besides for all the other lessons, and there are thousands of lessons that we may take from the Akedah, but the main lesson for us is that even Avram Avinu had a Sahara. That even Avram Avinu, as great as Avram Avinu was, and there was no human being perhaps that was higher and greater and accomplished more in the universe than Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, the measure says, Eilat Holdais. Hashemayim Aretz Behi Baram and Behi Baram are the Isis Avram. The world was created all in the Zchus of Avram Avinu. And our Zchus Kiyom were living in the Zchus Aves of Avram. And so we think Avram Avinu, he was not a human being. He was a Malach. He was superhuman. He was a colossal figure that we can't even relate to because he was perfect. He didn't have the same vices and the same needs and the same drives and the same Yetzirahs as we do. 
Rabbi Rucham reminds us that from this parasha of the Akedah and from the Medrash, speaking about Samael and Samael whispering things in Avram Avinu's ears to try to deflate him and to try to prevent him from doing his Avedah, we see the most important lesson that we as B'nai Ta'ira could ever really passively understand and comprehend, and that is that don't think just because we have a Sahara that means that we are never destined to greatness. Quite the opposite. Avram Avino had a Sahara and he was able to be great because he had that Yetzirah and he was able to do the Akedah nonetheless. And when we have a Yetzirah to do things, and sometimes we might even give in to that Yetzirah, that doesn't mean that we are chas v'shalom, never able to get up and never able to be great, but our greatness perhaps lies in the fact that we have the Yetzirah and that we have a struggle to be able to overcome. Just Agav, I once was, I once heard a shear from a Russia Weiss in Eretz Yisrael. And at the end of the shear, he said a vart on the Parshas HaKedah, which I think is very much dovetails with what we're saying this morning. He says that at the point, it's the climax of the story, as Avram Avino was binding Yitzchak onto the Akedah, so the Pasuk says, Vayaymer Yitzchak el Avram Avi, Vayaymer Avi, Vayaymer Hineni Bini. As they were going to the Akedah, and as the Akedah was about to take place, Avram Avino looks at Yitzchak, and Yitzchak says, to Avram, his father, he says, Avi, my father. And Avram Avinu responds to him, and he says, Hineni b'ni, here I am, my son. And this is a little problematic, because what does this mean? Obviously, we know that Avram was the father, and Yitzchak was the son. Why does Avram Avinu have to be addressed by Yitzchak as Avi? And why does Avram respond to him, my son? And if you look in the Mepharshim, they deal with this. But he says such a beautiful vart. He says that Yitzchak looks at his father, Avram, and he says to him, he says, I understand that you have a mitzvah to shech me. I just want to know one thing, Tati. When you're shechting me, are you shechting me as my father? Or maybe you're shafting me as like a malach. What's going through your mind? A person could do an action in one of two ways. Either he could turn his mind off and become cruel and insensitive and perhaps otherworldly, or he could retain his identity with all of the warmth and all of the love of a father and still be able to do the Avaidah for Hashem. Yitzchak wanted to know says, I understand what you're doing and I want to do it also, but I just want to know when you're doing it, how are you doing it? Are you still my father when you're doing this or are you sort of getting into an outer body experience and doing it as another being, but not as my father? 
And that's what he means when he says, Vayaymer Yitzchel Avram Aviv, Vayaymer Aviv. It's a question, are you my father right now as you're doing this? With all of your love and all of your compassion, and you're still doing it, or is it something else? And Avram Avinu tells him, Vayaymer Hineni Bini, at this moment in time, you are my son. I am your father, you are my son, I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm an Ashkenaz, I'm doing it. Avram Avinu by the Akedah was a human being. And as a human being, he had a Samuel. And he had to fight the Samuel, and he vanquished the Samuel, and he was able to be Ahmed bin Isayin. That's the story of the Akedah, that's what we must see and hear from the Parshish Akedah. Because if Avram Avinu was a Malach, we can't learn anything from the Akedah. His Mesiris Nefesh is worthless. The whole mitzvah is worthless because he's a Malach, he's a robot. A robot doing something is not impressive because he's pre-programmed. Only if Avram Avinu is a human being, with a Samael, does the Parshish Akedah have any resonance with us. It would be simply impossible for me to go weiter in this shmuz without reading a little bit of the famous letter from Rav Hutner. You might have heard this from me maybe a dozen times at least over the last two years. This is the letter, it's probably the most famous letter of all of Rav Hutner's letters, and it's something that has been a chizak for myself and for many, many others, hundreds of others, maybe thousands around the world, and for their Talmidim, and for their Talmidim's Talmidim. Outside Kaladaris, this is like a letter that stands alone. I saw in a safer that brings this letter, a lot of Svarim bring this letter because it's so, it's so, it's amazing. But he tracked down in this safer who wrote, who this letter was written to, and I never knew this, but it was written to somebody who today is a Rosh Yeshiva, and he wrote many Chashubasvarim. I don't know where he lives, I don't know who he is, but he says that I was going through a period as, when I was a Yeshiva Bachar, a period of depression. I was feeling a little bit down. I don't know if he was, it seems like he was Nichshel in a certain Aveira, or he had. He was in a bad place. As we all have bad places, sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down. That's very normal. And he says, I wrote a letter to my Rebbe, to Rav Hutner, like a lot of my friends wrote letters to him. And he answered me. He says, and I'm not embarrassed that the whole world knows about this letter. I don't know if the world knows who, wrote, who he wrote it to. I certainly don't. But he says, I'm not embarrassed. He says, I'm very happy that this letter became so famous that I was Zaycha to that through me this Yisaid should be Niskala to the world. That the important message of Rav Hutner should be shared with the world and I was the vehicle, I'm proud of that. So Rav Hutner writes and I, I really don't like reading an entire letter because I know it's not as you know Captivating, perhaps, as when you 
don't read something inside, but it's so important. These letters are, are so magnificent. Rav Huttner's poetry that let me just read a little bit of it because it's a very, very important letter. He writes, Ahuvi Chavivi Shalom Ubrachot. Mechtabcha Higi Udvarecha Higi Your letter reached my hand and your words reached my heart. Dalecha Chavivi. Every word of this is mamish. It's like every word is, is so powerful. He says, You should know, my beloved. Your letter itself that you wrote to me sort of goes against everything that you are bothered by in the letter. He says, I'll explain to you that sentence later. But this is really the main part. We have a very bad disease amongst us. That when we are being involved and dealing with how great the G'daylam were, whenever we speak about how awesome our G'daylam are, and Baruch Hashem they are, but what we basically do is we tend to gloss over any warts that the G'dayla may have, any issues, any problems that they may have had growing up and in their, in their journey of life, and we sort of cut to the chase and we get to the end when he finished Shas and when he became a Vigrash Shiva and when he became, you know, tremendous Bal Musar. And that's all we speak about. When we deal with our G'dayla, we deal in a very sort of perfect, um, Storyline. He says, How perfect they are, we speak of. But we completely, like, erase or skip the parts of the struggles that they had to go through to get to that state of godless. The impression when we speak about Gedalim automatically is they were perfect. They were perfect human beings. They came out of their mother like with an aura, with a halo around them. They never had any issues. They were always just the perfect little boys and they grew up, they grew up to be the perfect big men. Reputner writes that everybody talks about and is like awed and amazed by the pureness, the purity of speech of the Chavitz Chaim. There was there were people that didn't like this line in this letter, and there was I've seen with my own eyes, like editorials and papers in Eretz Yisrael and Haredi papers that sort of you know were very upset that Rav Hutner would even write such a thing. But Rav Hutner was a obviously he was a gadol in his own right, and he had every 
write and ability to write such a thing, even though we may not. And he writes that who knows, when speaking about the Chavitz Chaim, we speak about him as if he was perfect. He says, we don't know all of the eight Saharas that the Chavitz Chaim had on his journey, the struggles and maybe even the pitfalls and the, the losses that he may have suffered along the way. And how many times did he not beat his Yetzirah? Mashal Echad Mini Aleph. Vidayla Novin Shekamaischa Lodim and Afrado Aklau. And for somebody as wise as you, you can understand. You can learn from the Prats of the Klau. And he says, Hatetzah Mizehi Kishenar Bal Ruach Bal Shehipa Bal Tisisa. What the end result is, the negative part of these biographies of Gedalim that a lot of people don't like so much because it seems to make them all perfect and all the same. He says, the problem with reading too many of these biographies, even though it's, a, it's much better than reading biographies of Gedalim than reading other things, of course, but the problem is, if there is a problem, the problem lies in the fact that when we read these biographies, very often we get very depressed. Because we say to ourselves, listen, these people are so superhuman and they are so perfect that we cannot emulate them. We cannot strive to touch their ankles. Because who are we? Look at us. We have the Eight Sahara, we have struggles, we have fallen, we have done things that we are so guilt-ridden about. And so, where does that leave us in terms of the, the ability for us to become Gedalim? He says that when a person is a Baal Shi'ifa, and you want to you wanna be great, you want to become a Tamachacham, you want to become perhaps a gadol. And then you remind yourself, or Samuel comes to you and reminds you that you can't be. Because, look, you messed up. You did this wrong, and you do that wrong. Every single day you think about this. He says, then immediately the natural conclusion is that I'm not worthy. Because the normal way now that a person thinks that I'm going to be able to be a Tamar Chacham is only if I'm able to sit nicely by tranquil waters without any turbulence, without any struggles, without any challenges, only then would I be able to be a Gadol. He says, like Tzadikim that are enemies of Ashkina. And he says, anything else? I'm, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be a Tamar Chacham. I'm not worthy to be a Tzadik because look at me, I'm full of the Eight Sahara. I have so many times that I have to struggle and I fall and I, and I feel terrible about myself and I feel guilty and I feel dirty and I feel remorse. And so, I can't be Ramesha Feinstein, I can't be the Stipend, I can't be Radio Yosef, I can't. Look at them, they were perfect. And that, he says, is the problem when we look at Gedalim 
and we study their biographies, but the biographies don't tell us the whole picture. It filters what is acceptable for us to know, but the things that are really the most instructive, it leaves out. Can you imagine if we'd be able to once in a while read about what a Gadol had to endure on, on his way to Godless, when he was a buffer, what he had to, if he had the Eight Sahara, and what his Eight Sahara was, and the times that he lost to the Eight Sahara, and then at the end of the biography, he still becomes a Gadol. That would be amazing. But we never see that, says Rafutner, in the biographies, when we speak about Gadol, we speak about them only in terms of their grandeur and their glory. And we don't comprehend the Sahara that they had. He says, He says to his Talmud, he says, you have to know The Shairish, the root of your soul, is not found on those days that the Sahara is tranquil and everything is going well. That's not what's going to allow you to be a Gadol, ironically. What will make you a Gadol are the struggles and the ups and downs and the Milchama that the Yetzirah has to battle, those Milchamas is the Shairish of your Neshama. And your beautiful letter testifies to the fact that you, Baruch Hashem, are fighting a good fight against the Yetzir Hara with your Yetzir Ataiv. In English we say, there's an expression, lose a battle and win the war. He says, you have lost. You've lost battles. He says, I'll tell you something else. You'll, you'll lose more battles in the future. And then he says in parentheses, It's not, don't worry about it. He says, I, I know that it's not, I'll tip that fellow It will happen. You have struggled and you have lost. You have lost a battle yesterday. You lost the battle last week. Maybe you lost the battle last night. But you could still lose a battle and win the war. He says, but I promise you that after losing many battles, you will emerge victorious with a crown of victory perched on your head and the teref hachad mefarfer ben shinecha. The enemy will be sort of um, in rigor mortis in your mouth. You will be able to ultimately vanquish the Sahara. The Samoya will be able to be dead. But you have to just keep on proceeding as you are, fighting, fighting, and fighting again. It's not an easy battle. And we lose a lot of the battles. But just because we've lost battles, and we will continue to lose battles, does not mean that the war is over. He says that Hachacha Mikol Adam Shlomo Melech writes in Mishlei Sheva Yipel Tzadik Vekam Tzadik falls seven times. He has seven downfalls. 
the common he gets up. He says, The fools, they think that the Pshad in this Pasuk is that it's a Rabusa. That even though, despite the fact that the Tzadik falls seven times, ultimately he's going to get up in the end. But the Chachamim know better that the Kavana is that the Mahus Hakimoshal Atzadik Idera Hashem and Afilashalai. It's not the Pshad that Sheva Yipal Tzadik and nevertheless become. But rather, the become is that as a result of the Sheva Yipal Tzadik. When a Tzadik falls and stumbles and scrapes himself, that's what causes him to rise and to be great. I'm not going to read the rest of the letter, but basically Rav Huntner continues to lavish praise and bracha on this yeshiva bachar and to tell him that you don't know how great you are and you believing that you can't be a gadol anymore because you, you're not doing so well, because you have struggled and you have lost, is exactly the opposite of the truth. The truth is that because you have a Sahara and because you're battling, and because it's hard for you, and it's almost impossible for you to win that Yitzhahara, that is going to be the root of your kima. Your ability to rise, and your ability to find greatness, and to transcend the normal bounds of expectation, all lies in this ability to fight and to struggle on a daily basis with our Yitzhahara. <laughs> This is the core lesson that we have to take with ourselves our whole life. Because the reason why the battlefield, why there are so many corpses lying on the battlefield today, is because nobody's learned this letter well enough. And if we learn it, we haven't hazarded it and really committed it to our, our conscience. When a person has the Sahara, and the Sahara has him wrapped around his little finger. But you're trying. And you're struggling. Whatever your Yetzirah is. Everybody in Yetzirah might be a little different. There's all types of Tavis in the world. And one person's Yetzirah is not the other person's Yetzirah. But whatever your personal Yetzirah is, and you could fill in the blank. And you think, well, you know, if I'm giving into that Yetzirah, if that Yetzirah keeps beating me, isn't that a, a sign that I'm, like, not worthy to be a Ben Tyra? Isn't that a sign that I should just, like, you know, just roll over and play dead? Isn't it a sign that I'm a faker and I'm a phony and that I'm not like those great guys in the base Medrash or like those Rabbeim or those Gedalim? And the answer is that there couldn't be a greater misconception than that. Because the ability for us to become great is dafka with our nisyayinus. You know, the word nisayin is, means a banner. Like, laharim al nes. A nes means a banner. And the Rishayinim say that the reason why it's called a banner is because when you have a nisayin, and you're not always able to pass with flying colors on these side. But when you are, those times that you're able to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And at least for today, I win. 
what you're basically doing is the flag goes up the flagpole a little bit more. And then the next Nisayan that you have and that you're able to again win, the flag goes a little bit higher. Gedalim are those people that have their flag like almost on the top of the flagpole. But it didn't come because they were born with a flag so high. It happened because they had to struggle. And they had Yitzharis and they had issues that they had to deal with, they had to overcome. They had a lot of speed bumps along their road. We don't know about them. And maybe it's good that we don't know about them because maybe it's none of our business. But if Hutner is certifying the fact that they do have Yitzharis, that they're human beings, but they're able to tell Samael more often than not, Almanas came. They're able to see the Samael, and sometimes they give in to Samael. But because they're able to learn from their Nephilus when they did lose to Samael, and how many times have we lost to Samael, but we get depressed over that? And maybe we should be a little depressed and do chuba from it, learn from our mistakes, and then be ready for him the next time that he comes to, to wage war with us. Be smarter and be more prepared. If we could do that, then we could be Gedalim ourselves. If we could only understand this parenthetical footnote that Rabbi Rucham says that even Abraham Avinu had a Samael. I just want to read to you that footnote one more time because it's just so amazing. We believe that Avram Avinu had no Yetzirah, no Melchama. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Shechtem, he was happy. But it was hard for even Avram Avinu to be Menatzeach. But because he was Menatzeach over him, that's what gives us the Messias Nefesh to try as hard as we can with our daily Akedas that we have to make for Hashem. I saw a similar idea also from the Akedah by Rav Shimshon Pincus. Rapinkus is brilliant when it comes to these things, and Rapinkus says such a chiddush here on the parsha, but it's mamish the same bard as what we started with. After the akeda was over, it says that Vayashiv Avram El Naarav Avram Avinu returns to his lads that were waiting for him, Tishmal and Elazar, Eliezer Vayakumu Vayelchu Yachtov El Be'er Sheva. And they got up and they all went together, the four of them, Abraham, Yitzchak, Eliezer, and Yishmael, they all went together back to Be'er Sheva. So Rav Pincus, you know, had a sensitivity to the word Yachtov. What does it mean they went together? I mean, we, we know at the beginning of the parasha, Abraham and Yitzchak, Vayelchu, Shneam, Yachtov, that we understand. They went together with Messias Nefesh and with Simcha. But what does it mean at the end of the passion? The four of them all went yachtov. What does that mean? They were all on the same level. I mean, Abram was just, you know, his banner was just completely raised a hundred feet high, a thousand feet, a million feet high. 
how can you say about Avraham Avinu that the, he was on the same level still as his Naharov? And here comes Repimkis and says a bomb. He says like this. Avraham Avinu came back from the Akedah and he felt terrible about himself. He didn't think, yes, I did it. Even though a Malach came and gave him a Haptacha that HaKadosh Baruch was proud of you and he sees that now you're a loyal servant and he gave him brachas. But Avraham Avinu still felt bad. He says, I had an opportunity to shech Yitzchak and I blew it. I wasn't Zaycha to shech Yitzchak. Now a Malach came and told him that you did good. It's okay. A Malach stopped him. A Malach says, Al Tishach Yadchalanar. Don't do that. But yet, Avraham Avinu felt that he should have done more. He could have done more, maybe. Maybe had he been greater, he would have had this chos actually complete the Shechita of Yitzchak. And that's what it means. Vayelchu, Yachtov, they all went together. Avraham Avinu felt like he didn't do it. He didn't have the mice of Yakedah. But we know that Chazal tell us that Avraham Avinu was wrong. And that Akrish Baruch says to Avraham Avinu, you're making a mistake, Avraham. He says, I am machshavit. I consider the Akedah as if it was done. As if Afrit Savar al is As if the ashes of Yitzchak are simmering on the Akedah. Even though it didn't actually happen, HaKadosh Baruch considered as if it happened. That's what Chazal tells us. There's a Gemara that says that when they were, I think during the Bayashani, when they were looking to find the Makkah HaMizbeach, so finally, like the archaeologists, they were doing a dig and they found the Mizbeach, and it says there that they saw the Aether of Yitzchak, they saw the ashes of Yitzchak burning on the Akedah, they were still smoking on the Akedah. And it's, it's a funny measure. What does that mean? He wasn't brought on the Akedah. Maybe the aisle that was brought in lieu of him was on the Akedah. But Yitzchak, it, it says that the ashes of Yitzchak himself was on the Akedah. And the understanding is that we consider it as if Yitzchak was actually shafted by Avram. Avram didn't look at it that way initially. He thought, I blew it. All right, I brought an aisle. I tried my best, but I didn't actually get to do it. And I'm probably... You know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is probably disappointed in me maybe, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I don't look at it that way. You tried your best, and I consider it as if it's done. And a mouth came and stopped him from doing more. And Rapinkis says like this, you have to hear this, what he says. He says, this happens to us every day. We try our best to do something. We try our best, he says, a bachar wants to wake up in the morning and come to davening. But he struggles with that. That's an Isayan for him. It's not an Isayan for everybody. Somebody, some people are able to get up every morning with, uh, you know, a thousand miles an hour. Like they jump out of bed and they're there and they're davening every single morning. It's not so easy for everybody. There are a lot of people that have a hard time waking up in the morning. Again, it's one of those Nisayanists for people that don't have the Nisayan, they can't understand how a person could have such a Nisayan. And a person that does have the Nisayan can't understand how somebody else does not have that Nisayan. That's the way it is with all the Nisayanists of life. 
So this bachar wakes up in the morning. He can't wake. He can't wake up in the morning. But he, the night before, he sets ten alarm clocks, and he has a flying alarm clock, and he's got a moving alarm clock, and he has he has vectors coming to wake him and to pour water on him. He's trying everything that he can. He tries to get to bed on time. Everything, and then lo and behold, it's. You know, it's 9.30 already in the morning and he missed Shachris and his Chavrusa is waiting for him already and he feels like, I blew it again. I blew it. And I'm a loser and I have no, there's no redeeming qualities that I have to myself. This is Mamish the Akedah. This is Avram Avinu. He struggled. He wanted to bring Yitzhak on the Akedah and a Malach stopped him. Zuckter Pincus, he says, I don't care what kind of malach it is. With Avraham Avinu, it happened to be a white malach that stopped him. With us, maybe it's a black malach. Maybe it's the Sutton, it's the Sahara that's stopping us from getting up in the morning. But if we try our best, we cannot be despondent. We have to try our best, though. We can't rest on our low can't say, well, you know what, I'm really, I'm sort of trying, I'm not really trying. You have to try your hardest. But if a malach comes and stops you, it might be the Eitzahara, says Pincus. It might be a different sort of malach. But if you're stopped by the Eitzahara, but you try, then it's considered as if you woke up. In HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mind, he doesn't look at you as a, like a loser and like a bad person. He looks at you as an Avram Avino. You tried, and a malach stopped you. Sheva, Yipa, Sadik become. A tzaddik will fall seven times and he gets up. He will get up eventually. But it takes sometimes a lot of nefilas, a lot of struggles. But that's the aside. So many times we have different things that we try to stop ourselves from doing certain averis. There's guys in yeshiva, some of them are married today, but they're roommates, and... They wanted to stop themselves from using the internet, you know, just without any, without any shmira. So what they did was, they went and they devised a system that every screen that would come up, there would, before you could get to the next screen, you'd have to put in a password. And everybody would have, and there were three roommates and they had alternating passwords. And I would type in my password and then the next screen would come and you have to get Chaim to put in his password and then the next screen would come and you get Yosef to put in his password. The Chaim of the Chaim, if you imagine, I mean, you know, it must take like just, you know, 20 minutes to find one site that you're looking for. But they tried. They were making a Mohammed. Sometimes we try, you know, we put filters on, we put shimerim on, we put the web cover on, we put, and sometimes we're still nichshol. But we have to try. And if we try, even if we're nichshol, but we did a battle, and we tried as best as we could, and we were weak. You know what that means? That means that we're human beings. It doesn't mean that we are Zara, and it doesn't mean that we're shkatsim, and it doesn't mean that we are you know, completely unforgiven. It means that we're human. It means HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us for the Yitzhahara. And it means sometimes we were not able to win that battle. And it's the most crushing feeling sometimes when you wake up the next morning and say, Rabbi Nishlam, I'm sorry, I don't know how that happened. But you know something? If you don't try, then you definitely lost the battle. 
if you try your best, this is not making excuses for our behavior, but we have to realize that there is a world and we have to try to live within the world somehow. If we're trying our best and the Sutton comes and stops us, then we are doing the Akedah. We are trying as best we can and the Sutton or the Yetzir the Yetzir, whoever it is, the whatever Malach stops us from doing what we want, we have to understand that HaKadosh looks at it as if we did our best. And from that we will grow. From that we will be G'daylam. And it's such an important yisayi. We cannot repeat this shmuz enough to ourselves and to our friends and to our family because so many people, they lose their amuna because they feel that they lost too many battles. And they feel it's much easier just to completely give up and go AWOL than to fight any more battles because I'm afraid of losing. If you're afraid of losing a battle, you'll never win a battle. The only way that you can be a goggle is really by having that flag go higher and higher through Nisyanus. If you're a person that never have any, has any Nisyanus, then you're not going to be a goggle because you're a robot. You're not a goggle. If you're human and you've experienced these Nisyanus and these Ma'avakim, then you should know that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Rupotner ends his letter to the Bachar, this Bachar ended up being a Rosh Hashiva and a, and a tremendous Tamachacham and a, probably a Tzaddik. He says, Bishtatfus Pesivlech. He says, I am joining in your troubles, in your suffering. And I have confidence in your ultimate victory. And and with a prayer for your success, Yitzchak Kutner. And this is the site of our life. The site of our life is never give up. Never feel that you're not worthy and that you've lost and that you're, you're unsuccessful and that you're a failure and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't like you anymore. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has already cast you far away from Him because, because of your weaknesses. Your weaknesses are really your strengths. And if you lose a few battles or you've lost a few battles, that's human. We have to try our hardest not to repeat them. We have to learn from our mistakes. That's what they do in West Point. And, you know, what do you think they, you know, if you drive up to the Catskills and you take the Palisades, you pass by on the right a place called West Point. That's like the, that's the Harvard of all the military academies. And, you know, I, I've been there once. It's a beautiful, huge campus and they have like, you know, uh, they have like marching bands and aren't, what, what do they do all day there? What are they busy with? They're not like actually doing, you know, it's not a normal boot camp. It's for the chashuvim, for the military chashuvim. What do you think that they're busy with? They're not learning a Shvar Rambam there all day. What they're doing there is basically studying battles. They're studying, you know, battles, uh, American history, world history, figuring out how Napoleon pulled off what he did, and how, you know, what, how Vietnam was such a disaster. I saw once uh, a story how one of the big generals at West Point was asked, you know, do you study ever 
you know, um, when you're studying battles, you ever study like the Israeli, the Israeli wars? He says, no, 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 we study wars. We don't study miracles. So that, that's, you know, whatever happens in Israel with all their Mohammeds that they won, those were all He says, that we can't gain too much from. But what you, you learn from your battles more when you lose a battle than when you win it. When you win a battle, you know, that's a, that's a miracle. When you lose a battle, whether it's in Afghanistan, whether it's in Vietnam, whether it's in Iraq, whether it's, whatever it is, you learn I shouldn't have done this, and I shouldn't have done that, and why do we, you know, deploy the troops in this way? We should have first used the Air Force, or we should have first used the Marines, or we should have, you know, done stealth. Whatever it is, you learn from your mistakes. That's what they're doing. Next time, they're not going to repeat this or that, hopefully, because they've learned that that's a disaster to do that. When we're fighting battles, we could lose a lot of battles, and if we learn from them, then they're not lost battles. If we can learn, you know, when I'm in a funny mood and I go back to the dorm, you know, I start looking at things on, on my computer that I shouldn't. So next time you're in a funny mood, then maybe don't go back to the dorms or go back to the dorms and make sure that your roommate is in the room first. Or, you know, or give your computer to your chabrusa for the night. Or get a good filter on your computer or whatever it is. But learn from the battles that we lose how to not repeat that next time. If you do that, then that's a malach coming and HaKadosh Baruch was saying, it's ki'ilu, you were akad es bimchal gabem It's fine. You did it. You wanted to go to davening, you tried your best. I'll consider as if you went to davening. But you got to really try your best. If you try your best and you're, you tried and you couldn't, it's okay. You'll try again tomorrow morning to come. But never give up hope. Never feel that you're not going to be a gadol, and you're not going to be great, and you can't be a tamachach. I mean, you're not right to be in yeshiva anymore, and you should be thrown out. And if your abayim would know what you do, and no one's looking, oh yeah, 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 they would, you know, they would never look at you again. It's not true. It's not true. The struggles that you have as a bentayra are the struggles which will make you great. Learn from the battles that you lose. And know that the ultimate kima, the ultimate way that you will steig, is through the Sheva Nefilas. Is that go through the fact that we have failed? If we learn from our failures, then we can, Amir Hashem, grow in ways that we would never think that we could grow. And Amir Hashem, HaKadosh should be considering it to be a Nachas It should be And when Samuel comes, we should tell him our Manas came. Have a good chance.